Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we're going to talk about milk and cookies, Santa's back, and Shudebakers. First, since some of you might be leaving out milk and cookies for Santa soon, I thought we could look at whether you'd say milk and cookies are delicious or milk and cookies is delicious. In other words, we're discussing subjects that contain the word and. You generally think plural if you see an and, but that's not always the case. Let's start with some subjects that have definitely singular or definitely plural subjects. The subject in The Clown is Juggling is obviously singular. One clown is doing something. Two clowns and the ringmaster are juggling contains an and, and since three people are involved, that subject is plural. Now for some subjects that contain and but are singular. This might sound weird at first, but you probably say such sentences every day. Take these two singular sentences. Peanut butter and jelly is available in the cafeteria. And meat and potatoes was my grandfather's favorite meal. In these mouth-watering sentences, the two items combine to form a single unit, one dish, and this is the crux of the matter. As Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of English Usage explains, quote, When the nouns form a collective idea or a oneness of idea, the singular verb is appropriate, unquote. Another example is spaghetti and meatballs. Spaghetti and meatballs goes well with garlic bread. You might also find yourself referring to one person in two ways in a sentence, and if you do so, you'll use a singular verb. Consider this example in which the writer is saying her husband is also her best friend. My husband and best friend likes doing the dishes. Although the subject, my husband and best friend, contains an and, the subject refers to just one person. If you use a plural verb and say, my husband and best friend like doing the dishes, then two people are scrubbing. In this case, your husband isn't your best friend, poor guy. Now, what if the ideas joined by and refer to more than one person or don't form one concept? Then the subject is plural. Noted grammarian Brian Garner explains, quote, If two or more subjects joined by and are different and separable, they take a plural verb, unquote. So if you say, peanut butter and potatoes are my favorite foods, you're listing two separate items that you like. I've never heard of the combined dish of peanut butter and potatoes, but if it did exist, it would take a singular verb. Now let's analyze some contentious sentences. The subjects in these may or may not be plural, depending on your point of view. 
First up is this sentence with a singular verb. His humility and decency reflects the very best of the American spirit. Or should it be reflect, a plural verb? We need to assess whether his humility and his decency are two variations on a theme and therefore one thing, or if these two personal qualities are different and separable. They seem like separate ideas to me. A person could be decent, but not so humble. Others may disagree with this point of view, though. An anonymous commenter on the Sentence Sleuth blog, where this sentence was criticized as criminal sentence 513, argued, quote, The author intends them to be considered as a unit, as a representation of a single quality, his goodness. I think you can get away with either a singular or plural sense. It's discretionary, unquote. There was even more discussion on the blog when it came to the following sentence, labeled criminal sentence 519. Their capture and successful prosecution is what we want. Some commenters argued that the police had one goal, to put the criminals behind bars, so capture and prosecution represented one idea. They therefore felt the verb should be singular. Others thought these two actions were distinct and the verb should be plural. With sentences like these two, we may have to agree to disagree because you could make a coherent argument for either point of view. Milk and cookies feels like it could go either way, too. Thought of as one offering, you could say, milk and cookies is Santa's favorite treat. Thought of as two separate items, you could say, milk and cookies are Santa's favorite treats. And note that the noun at the end matches, too. Treat, if you use the singular verb, and treats if you use the plural. If you come across a problem like this in your own writing, you'll probably make someone unhappy no matter which verb you choose. Your best chance for pleasing everyone is to recast the sentence so that you no longer have to wrestle with the idea of singular or plural. One way to rewrite the sentence about humility and decency is, he embodies the very best of the American spirit with his humility and his decency. As for the second problematic sentence, you can easily turn their capture and successful prosecution is what we want into we want to capture and successfully prosecute them. It's less wordy, too, as is Santa loves milk and cookies. Singular and plural is not as easy a concept as it might seem. Notice how I said singular and plural is. We're combining the two to refer to one grammatical concept. When you're deciding between singular and plural, think about whether the items joined with and constitute one concept. If you don't know which verb to choose, just rewrite your sentence to avoid the problem. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, who's been a copy editor since 1996. Next, I have an interesting question from Lynn. Hi, uh, my name's Lynn, and I'm calling with a question about the use of an apostrophe. Um, I'm wondering if there's a special term for um, the usage where an apostrophe can indicate either a contraction or a possessive form. And I have two examples of that from my own small town. Um, our hardware store uh, which has been there for over 50 years, has a, a wooden sign that hangs on a, the front porch and that says, um, Today's Special. And below that is another wooden sign that says, So is Tomorrow. And the other example is um, 
a, a local house that has a Christmas decoration uh, in the form of a, a wooden cutout of Santa Claus seen from behind, and it just says Santa's back. And so I'm just, I've always gotten a kick out of those usages because it always tricks you into thinking that it means either possessive or uh, a contraction, but you can't really tell um, necessarily from the from the usage. Anyway, thanks. I enjoy reading your stuff and uh, always look forward to it. Bye. Thanks, Lynn. This was tougher to figure out than I expected it to be, and I turned to my language friends on Twitter for help, because it turns out there are a few different things your examples are almost like. The first one is what's called a garden path sentence, so-called because the sentence leads you down the garden path and then tricks you by ending up somewhere you didn't expect to be. It's a lot like a concept in comedy called the reverse. A common example of a garden path sentence is the old man the boat. Because old man is a common phrase, you think the sentence is going to be about an old man, but then it's actually using man as a verb meaning something like to serve as the crew. The old serve as the crew on the boat, the old man the boat. It led you down the old man garden path and then switcheroo, we're talking about something else. Your examples could maybe fall into this category, but they don't fit quite exactly. In particular, a linguist named Alicia Stevers stressed that garden path sentences have to be single sentences, and the today's special signboard really feels like two sentences since the two parts are written on two different boards, and then only one interpretation of Santa's back even is a sentence. A similar language trick or problem is called a crash blossom, which is a term that usually seems to be reserved for confusing headlines. The name comes from this confusing headline, Violinist Linked to J.A.L. Crash Blossoms. That was posted to a forum called Testy Copy Editors in August 2009 by a user named Bessie 3 Journalists were sharing these kinds of headlines before they got a name, such as Squad Helps Dog Bite Victim. No, a squad helps dog bite victim. And for a while, there was even a website devoted to compiling them called CrashBlossoms.com, which has sadly gone dark. But you can still see old versions at the Internet Archive, which includes real-life beauties such as Drunk Puppy Buying Banned by West Village Pet Stores. Nope, Drunk Puppy Buying Banned by West Village Pet Stores. Crash Blossoms are fun, but I don't think your examples qualify as these either. Next on the list of possibilities people suggested is Zugma and Solipsis, which, as far as I can tell, are two names for the same thing, or at least very overlapping things. These occur when you use a word with different meanings to create a playful sentence, such as this line from the Alanis Morissette song, Head Over Heels, You held your breath and the door for me. Slightly different kinds of holding. Wikipedia actually breaks down four different kinds of zugma and solipsis. That line from the song is what they call type two. A single word is used with two other parts of a sentence, but must be understood differently in relation to each. Another example of that is Ms. Bolo went straight home in a flood of tears in a sedan chair from the Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens. I won't go through them all, but type 4 is interesting, too. That's when a word or phrase is used both in its figurative and literal sense at the same time, 
As in this example, also from Wikipedia, it's a transport company that advertises, we go a long way for you. They transport your goods a long distance, but they also go out of their way with customer service. These are fun, but they don't feel very close to your two examples with misleading apostrophes to me. The final category people suggested was paraprosdokian, a figure of speech that gets its name from Greek that means beyond expectation, because much like the other examples, it comes from having a surprise ending. But its definition is a little broader than that for a garden path sentence, because it can also include multiple sentences, although it doesn't have to. For example, this line from Zsa Gabor usually seems to be written with a semicolon, but it could be two sentences. He taught me housekeeping. When I divorce, I keep the house. In particular, the definition from literarydevices.net makes me think that this is the best category for the restaurant sign, today is special, so is tomorrow. It says, quote, it causes the readers to reinterpret or rethink the opening part of a phrase, sentence, stanza, or paragraph, unquote. That's exactly what the sign does, so I'm calling that one a paraprosdokian. But that still leaves us with the Santa's back double meaning, which to me doesn't quite fit any of these categories. So today, I propose a new name. There already seem to be a gazillion potentially overlapping categories for these figures of speech, so the world should accept one more. I'm calling it a Santa back, a double meaning based on multiple interpretations of an apostrophe. So Santa's back would clearly be a Santa back, and I'd say today's special, so is tomorrow, would be both a paraprosdokian and a Santa back, since it uses the misleading apostrophe. I hope people come up with more examples, and if you do, please share them on social media. Thanks for the question, Lynn. Finally, I have a familect story and a question from Tom. Hi, Grammar Girl. It's Tom in Indianapolis. Hope all is well. Hey, I have uh, two words today. One is a familect, and uh, one is a weird word that I hear all the time. I'm not sure if it's even a word, but I've heard it uh, on the news before. So, uh, my familect is Shoot-a-Baker. I say it to my sons all the time when it's time to go. I'm like, hey, man, get your Shoot-a-Bakers on. I'm assuming uh, it's a combination of shoes and Studebaker. I don't know. I heard it from an uncle years ago uh, who used to say it to my cousins. So I say it to my little boys now. Uh, and uh, side note, my youngest, now that it's cold, uh, has started to say, hey, get your Budabakers on. So anyway, funny. Second one is uh, a word that, as I said, I'm not sure if it's even a word, but I've even heard it on the news. Um, whole nother. So this is a whole nother story. I've heard people use whole nother before. I'm guessing it's supposed to be whole other or another, but I hear people say whole nother. So hope all is well. Merry Christmas. Stay warm and safe. Bye. Thanks, Tom. I love how your son has extended Shootabaker to cover boots with Budabaker. That is very clever. And Merry Christmas to you, too. As for a whole nother, it's definitely a thing. It's such a common pet peeve that it's actually a card in my Peeve Wars card game. The short answer is that people have taken the word whole and inserted it in the middle of the word another. Some people might call this infixing, like a prefix goes at the beginning and a suffix goes at the end, and an infix goes in the middle. 
But according to Sayal Graves, linguists instead tend to call a whole nother a form of rebracketing. It's like what kids do when you tell them to behave, and then they interpret it as two words and reply, I am being have. We actually did a whole episode about a whole nother back in June of 2014. So if you still have questions after this short answer, you can go back and listen to it. It's episode 421, and the whole explanation is actually really interesting. If you want to call with a story of your familect, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis, and our assistant manager is Emily Miller, who's on the hunt for the perfect vegetarian slow cooker stew. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. That's all. Thanks for listening. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com.